Hey everyone, you're listening to All Too Well, the tax version. I'm Caroline and with me I have Ashley and Janie and we're going to talk about the tax implications of Taylor Swift. As many of y'all know, last week, Friday, November 12th, Taylor Swift released her second re-recorded album, Red, Taylor's Version. This was the second album that Taylor has re-recorded and released, the first being Fearless Taylor's Version, released on April 9th of 2021. Many fans are wondering exactly why she chose to re-record all of her albums, and we're here to talk a little bit about that reason. Swift doesn't own the master recordings of any of her songs on the albums released before her 2019 album Lover. This was due to a contract with her previous and first record label, Big Machine Records, which was later purchased in 2019 by Scooter Braun, the manager of Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber. Braun purchased the rights of her first six albums for around $330 million. This transaction gave Braun the rights to own all copies, meaning the versions on streaming sites like Spotify, Apple Music, and CDs and records. This means Braun is still making money from all of Swift's, Taylor Swift's old music. Since then, Braun sold the albums to an investment firm, Shamrock Holdings, for north of $300 million. Shamrock now owns the rights to the music, but Braun still profits off some of her songs. Taylor and her team attempted to buy back her masters from Braun, but said that she was never given a quote or had any idea of the sale to be happening. In fact, Shamrock Holdings contacted Taylor after the sale to let her know that it had even occurred. Now Swift has a new record deal at Republic Recordings and Universal Music Group, under which she now owns the masters to any of her new work. Therefore, she's re-recording and releasing her old music to own her old versions and have the ability to use and perform them how she likes. Swift made around $23.8 million in 2020, just off her two albums, Evermore and Folklore. And due to COVID, she had to cancel her Lover tour, which would have earned even more. Wow. Right. I can't believe that... Sorry, I just can't believe that um, Ron sold them, but is still making money off of them. Like, do you know how that works? Because I don't. <laughs> it's because when he sold it to the investment firm, they're still on Spotify and Apple Music streaming serving site, service sites in which each listen will give money back to the original holder of the rights. Oh, That's crazy. I also heard a rumor that he sold, he just kind of ended up selling it at the end because quote unquote, Taylor Swift gave him a headache and he just kind of wanted to get it off of his hands. Yes. So that actually brings us up to our next topic. According to Treasury Regulation Section 1.482-4B, copyrights and musical compositions are that have substantial independent value meet the definition of an intangible asset. Since Braun allegedly purchased the rights for about $330 million, but sold them for $300 million because of his headache with Taylor Swift, there was actually a loss on the sale of intangible assets that Braun has to recognize. So according to IRC section 1221A3A and B, a copyright, whether literary, musical, or artistic, held by a taxpayer whose personal efforts created such property, which would be Taylor Swift in that situation, 
or a taxpayer from whom such property was prepared or produced, which would be Braun and her record label, um, are excluded from the definition of a capital asset. And under this definition, both Swift and Braun would be classified as these types of taxpayers. Um, Additionally, IRC section 1231 B1B and C states that 1231 property does not include property held by a taxpayer primarily for sale to customers in the ordinary course of trade or business. Both Braun and Swift obviously are professionals in the music industry and intend to produce music in order to make money. So therefore it wouldn't be considered a 1231 asset either. So this loss that occurred from the sale of her music rights would be just treated as ordinary according to IRC section 65. Um, accordingly, bronze loss would be deducted at its ordinary tax rate, receiving preferential tax treatment. And if this tax transaction would have resulted in a gain, capital gain treatment would have been the more tax preferable treatment. That's crazy. He sold it at such a loss. How big of a loss is that? 30 million? About 30 million is what is alleged. But kind of has tax savings when you think about all the other income he probably has and it's ordinary and offsetting ordinary income that's crazy right and I think being Justin Bieber's manager he already had his hands full so I'm sure he was done dealing with Taylor Swift that's true and Ashley going back to what you were saying about uh capital asset treatment of musical compositions and things like that also I wanted to mention the code if you go down further into the code, it talks about how some artists who have musical compositions can choose to treat those as capital assets. But as we kind of got a better grasp on that, we realized that's more for amateurs. And so that would not apply to Braun or Swift since it's clear both of them are in the music industry for business. Um, and so they do not get the capital asset treatment. Right. Um, Next, we're going to be talking about deductible expenses for Taylor Swift. And so, as we all know, she's produced many music videos. And then, you know, she even produced the short film last week on November 12th. So in considering her tax consequences, the question arises of what expenses that she can deduct as she generates income from these activities. So most musicians are sole proprietors. So we're assuming Taylor Swift is a sole proprietor. Um, and so with that, she would file a Schedule C with her Form 1040. And so she should be able to deduct any expenses that relate to her work as a musician. So this would include expenses incurred from music videos and the short film that she just produced, as well as recording studio fees, equipment, and the list goes on. So that's good news for her. We don't know how much of this she takes advantage of, but we assume she would. Right. And I saw at the end of the short film, it said that Taylor had actually both written and directed the short film. And she actually was really intentional on selecting the actor and actress who were the main characters of the film. Um, So I think their salary expenses could go into that all as well. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Interesting. I feel like at that rate, she'd probably have like to form an entity and have like an LLC status or something and I don't think that she would 
be able to take the benefit of like electing to be texted, texted, taxed as an S corp. But I think that she would still benefit from having limited liabilities since she has probably many people that work for her, like that's a good tax point. Sitter, like probably cat sitters at least would be <laughs> on that list. That's true. She does have a lot of cats. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, um, next we're going to be talking about Taylor's living situation. So Taylor claims her primary residence is in Nashville, Tennessee, but she owns two properties or she owns two properties in Tennessee. And she also claims properties in New York City, one that's valued at 50 million and she pays 40,000 per month to rent a four a fourth um, in Los Angeles. And she also owns a huge mansion in Rhode Island. And she owns some real estate in London as well. And all these have very high state income taxes, especially for the highest tax bracket, New York being 10.9% and California's being 12.3. But Tennessee, doesn't have an income tax at all. So it's kind of crazy to think that she's claiming that as her primary residence. Um, New York City also has a special resident tax of 3.8776%. And both California and New York have higher capital gains tax rates than most states. New York is known for notoriously, for its notorious Department of Taxation and Finance, which will hunt you down even if it has the smallest suspicion that you are a resident by their definition. So I wonder if she's had some litigation issues with that. I know that she has um, some political um, controversy um, around taxes, especially with the governor of Rhode Island, um, who has proposed a um, broad-based um, tax change that would basically have a luxury tax on second homes over 1 million. And it's been um, talked about that it's named after Taylor Swift. Uh, it's called the Taylor Swift tax wow. because of her beachfront mansion in Rhode Island, which is nuts. That's actually crazy. I Imagine also to have a tax named after you. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, really, <laughs> just so the state can get that much more in taxes. I also wonder, I mean, we talked about how many cats she has. I don't know the exact number. I don't know if any of y'all do, but I, I wonder where her <laughs> cats live most of the year or especially when she's on tour. I don't know what she does with her cats, but yeah, I, I wonder if. New York's Department of Taxation and Finance has looked into that in their decision if they would classify Taylor Swift as a resident or not. Uh, yeah, I wonder. Yeah. It's actually crazy in New York City, she owns three properties within one block of each other, which I find also insane. But a bit excessive, yeah. I, yeah. I do wonder how much time she really does spend in her Nashville home. Um, I guess. Yeah. I, don't know. I she's not even really country anymore so it doesn't really make sense because isn't she uh, not even from Nashville I'm pretty sure she's like I don't know from she's somewhere from. else 
Um, she moved to Nashville when she was 13, um, okay. when her family wanted her to start pursuing music and she was actually discovered in Nashville. Uh, okay. So maybe she considers home base based yeah. kind of off that. Yeah. yeah. That, that does make sense. Cause moving there at 13 is like just at the threshold of like it being your home, home type of place. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of states, uh, things can get pretty complicated for taxpayers who are generating income through traveling nationally or in Taylor Swift's case internationally. So the question kind of is now, what does that mean for her in her state income taxes? Um, so this is also, I mean, not just a Taylor Swift thing. This is with other performing artists as well who are performing across the world. And according to the Palisades Hudson Financial Group, most states are going to require individuals to pay income tax for income that's generated within their state. Since most artists are self-employed, then the burden rests on them to track their state-to-state income. And the appropriate non-resident state tax returns should be filed for this revenue that's generated within their non-resident state borders. Um, and then after this, the individual should receive a tax credit in their resident state for the taxes paid in non-resident state. So this is good news because that means their income will not be double taxed, but they still do need to pay that non-resident income. Um, and then in terms of international income, that just kind of brings a host of more filing and reporting rules. Most countries are going to, going to require taxes to be paid from individuals generating income within their borders. But the United States actually taxes its residents on worldwide income. So any foreign income that you make abroad, you will have to report that on your U.S. tax returns. So artists like Taylor Swift should file a form 1116 to claim a credit for any income taxes paid. So that's not double tax as well. Uh, so although celebrities are probably used to special treatment, this is not the case in the tax world. They are expected to comply with federal and state requirements. And we see examples of this with Floyd Mayweather, Willie Nelson, and Martha Stewart, who have all been in some hot water with the IRS. And so we hope Taylor Swift complies with everything she's supposed to. I can't imagine Taylor Swift going to prison over taxes. <laughs> like, no. I know Martha did it. So like, <laughs> Taylor can do it, but I just can't picture it. Not impossible. I'm sure she hires an excellent tax accountant to help her out <laughs> with all of these things. That's true. All that state to state income, I'm sure she's not the one tracking that. Yeah, dang. <laughs> So she would be having to report it for every concert in every mm-hmm. every state. That yeah. is crazy. And it's probably internationally too. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds yeah. kind of similar to the jock tax that we just talked about. That's true. Yeah. It does. Just the athletes and their income, they have the same rules with states. So yeah, they, they want their tax money. <laughs> Especially New York. <laughs> yeah. 
So I think that's all we have for you guys today. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to us talking about Taylor's tax implications. Um, bye. 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 bye.